Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. And that's where God found not needing to become something or be something more than I was in that moment. But there at the bottom, when I was at my worst, he extended grace. He was already there with me, chasing me down into that bit. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, there is nothing better than a story of redemption, a story where God takes a, something that is broken and puts it back together and uses it for his purposes. He turns pain into purpose. And that's what today's podcast episode is all about. Uh, Several months ago, Mark and I did a video interview with Chris and Steph Teague, and they make up the musical group Out of the Dust. And their story uh, is a powerful story of redemption. It is a story that you would never guess uh, would have ended up where it ended up and would have never guessed the way that God would end up redeeming it. Uh, We knew that it was so powerful. We really wanted to share it here on the podcast as well. And so what you'll get today is you'll get the audio uh, version of of what we shared with our No More Perfect Date Night members in video format. Uh, This is a a story that will encourage you in marriage, uh, but just in life, that when life is hard, God can be at work behind the scenes and we don't even know it. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you check out uh, the music of Chris and Steph Teague uh, out of the dust. All of the links to their music as well as their um, website, it's in the show notes. Check it out and enjoy this conversation. Welcome to No More Perfect Date Night. We are so excited to have in our studio uh, through technology. Um, We're so excited to be able to connect with Chris and Steph Teague. And together, they make up the musical duo Out of the Dust. And Chris and Steph, we are so excited to have you with us and so excited to hear your story. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. We're happy to be here with you. Your technology. <laughs> <laughs> with with us from a distance. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, we are excited uh, to hear your story, and uh, we have enjoyed your music. And so uh, if you could just lead in and tell us uh, where you're from and a little bit about yourselves and your family. Mm-hmm. Sure. We uh, So we are the strange ones that were actually born and raised in the Nashville area and do music. Most people come here for music. We are they literally they call us unicorns. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, we're both from around Nashville. Um, even to the point of meeting in high school through the same church in the area. Um, our family. Our family. We have two little kids. Uh, they are currently outside on a slip and slide. So as long as there are no injuries, we should not be interrupted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we just we're in a really sweet phase of life with a a six and eight year old and it's crazy and we love it oh that's excellent i love it and i remember that season it was a long time ago for us (laughs) 
we're enjoying that season now with grain as grain parents. So that's that's still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our parents are the other members of our band because we use them a lot to help with our kids. So <laughs> they are a oh. huge part of what we do. <laughs> I love excellent. that. That's cool. So how long has Out of the Dust been in existence? We have been uh, writing and playing music together for about seven coming up on eight years. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. And really what you do came out of your marriage journey. It did. We, yeah, we would not be here were it not for a bit of a miracle, a lot of a miracle. actually. Yeah, this is absolutely nothing that I thought I would do uh, as a full-time job in ministry. <laughs> I thought mm. I, was, I was a first grade teacher and God had some other plans. So. <laughs> ah. That's so funny. I was a music teacher and God had other plans. I totally understand that. So uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your journey of your marriage and what happened. Um, Just share your story. We're just going to kind of give you guys um, the ability to, to share freely and, and, uh, and, you know, let us know what happened. What were the lessons learned along the way? Mm -hmm. Love to hear. Awesome. Please stop us. Just like raise your hand or something. We get on train tracks and we just go. So, (laughs) so stop us. If you have a question, please. Um, like Stephanie mentioned, we met when we were in high school, we were on a mission trip to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, supposed to be Guatemala, but, uh, there were (laughs) other plans. There was some, some, some drama in, in Guatemala and ended up going to Philadelphia um, but we fell in love really quickly after that. We were high school sweethearts. So mm-hmm. uh, we had that going on. And in, into college, we stayed in the same town. We got married a couple of years into college. We were able to do that, thankfully. And I thought, guess. why wait? Yeah. <laughs> why wait? We know everything right? there is to know about marriage. <laughs> exactly. At 19 and 20. <laughs> yeah. So... So we did about a half a day of premarital counseling and got married yep. as 19 and 20 year olds, which I would think someone was a little bit crazy for doing that now, but it, it was. Hey, well, then we're crazy too, because right. I was 19 and he was 23. So right. there, you there you go. We were on the fast track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as, as that, you know, I mean, we, we were. We've all, I mean, we mentioned that we've been playing and writing together for seven years, but we led worship together, even in college. That was just part of how we connected was, was uh, by serving together and leading worship in a lot of different ways. Uh, and so on paper, we looked like we had everything together, just mm-hmm. kind of the picture perfect poster child, Christian, young married couple, you know, um, not really knowing the hard question. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Right. And we didn't have older couples in our lives who were kind of poking and prodding at those little areas where our, you know, our blind spots. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I started not falling into, but, but experiencing was uh, some doubts about my faith and about what I've been taught. You know, that's a lot of people go through that in that young adult stage. Um, and because I was on stage, because we were serving, because we were kind of picture perfect, I didn't feel a freedom to be able to share that, which, uh, you know, I say sometimes is an indictment on the church. Sometimes it's an indictment on me, you know, just, just mm-hmm. wanting to hide, having a propensity to hide. Yeah. Um, and that hiding just opened the door for, for coping mechanisms and sin. And I was in the music industry. Um I've always been the musician um, and I was going to school for that. So there were plenty of ways uh, of, of being tempted and hiding. And and so Mm -hmm. I started getting into drugs and alcohol and parties and that just kind of became the crowd that I felt comfortable around, you know, as a server uh, throughout the season. So I, I ended up feeling more comfortable around those people than I did in a church. Mm -hmm. And, um, Sadly, I wasn't telling Stephanie any of that either. And it just kept driving this wedge. You know, I was becoming two completely different people. And I think she would tell you she could see some of it. 
but I was also really good at performing. Um, I've always been good at performing and, and hiding. And so it just continued to fester and I continued to cope and, and, and find solace with these, you know, these coping mechanisms. So it got to the point where I, I was out uh, Saturday night doing God knows what, uh, waking up Sunday morning. And, uh, at the time I was actually leading worship for just like a, a group of fourth, fifth and sixth graders with a headset microphone and like 10 children around me, like full on wiggles, uh, choreography. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. Uh, -huh, but I also just, I didn't even believe in this God that I was leading these kids mm -hmm. to, or that I was serving college groups. You know, I, I didn't, I'd gotten to that point where it was just full on fraud and, um, wow. and that went on for years until mm -hmm. eventually I began to believe that, uh, that that weight, some of that weight, some of that shame, some of that, some of that, all those, that negativity that I felt that some of that might go away. Um, mm -hmm. this is what I believed if I wasn't married and if I just kind of left and started over. So, uh, that festered and that lie, you know, if we don't address that, it's going to just continue to grow in, in us. And, um, it seemed like the best thing to do. So I sat Stephanie down and just said, Hey, uh, I don't believe in God anymore and I don't want to be married anymore. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's what I said. Stephanie, that talk about that moment yeah. where. He told you that. What was that like for you? It was something that I couldn't even process when it was happening. Like my brain was like, it literally could not compute what was happening uh, because I felt so blindsided by it. Um, I, I think I was, I could be maybe naive and optimistic to a fault as far as how we were doing. Um, and so I just assumed the little things I'd seen, it was okay. He was working it out. He was figuring it out. You know, I didn't press in. And so, so my life was just, just completely just exploded, you know, right underneath my feet. I just had no ground. And so it was, gosh, it quite a journey <laughs> for me yeah. that year, because I think for a long time, you know, I, obviously I was angry. I was bitter. I was devastated. Uh, you know, I was having to grieve, I was having to grieve my, my husband, of course, but also my best friend, this future that I had so carefully planned out mm -hmm. you know, it, it, as much as I tried to change his mind, you know, I, he still filed for divorce. Divorce became a part of my story, which is something I never imagined as a 23 year old to be a part of my story. And, and so, gosh, I, it was really easy to play the victim and to feel like the righteous one in the situation. But God so graciously used that season in my life to show me that I was not faultless. You know, my, I was just as sinful. My sin was just easier to hide. I think it was things like pride and that self-righteousness and just a lot of heart stuff that I needed to deal with. And, and I think for the first time ever in my easy living in the Bible belt, growing up in church life, I, I couldn't make it through the day without him, you know, and yeah. it wasn't until I got to that point to that just utter brokenness that I was able to experience this new life in a relationship with him. Yeah. 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 That um, really very much mirrors um, my experience as well. It was like during that dark season, I just leaned into God like never before. Mm. Yeah. And it's yeah. for sure something I would never want to experience again, <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it for what, for what I experienced and what I learned about him and his love for me and my identity mm -hmm. and all of that for sure. And yeah. I said that so quickly, it is, it is much longer, a much harder process than I think I just made it sound, but, but right. it was, it was a necessary journey for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love how you said that, you know, some of your sin, I mean, you were, you were just as sinful, but it was, it was covered up or it looked a little bit better. It, it wasn't as obvious. And I found that as well. You know, one of the things I say, you know, because for us, infidelity was a part of our journey. And one of the things I say is I did not cause my husband's affair, but I 
contributed to the dysfunction in our marriage. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I resonate with that, definitely. That's what I mm-hmm. had to look at. Yeah. So. All right. So you guys are now, your life is turned upside down, mm-hmm. Steph. Um, Chris, you feel like, what do you feel like at this point? Do you feel freedom? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you you can imagine somebody who's who's been living this kind of bifurcated existence for years and the weight that I felt underneath all of those lies, underneath all that performing, underneath all of that, um, felt really good to, to have it lifted off of me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the tragedy was that it was, it was me exposing like the, the worst version of myself. It was, mm-hmm. it was the weight being lifted off so that, you know, now Pandora's box is open and, I, I just got to experience and do and be and have everything that I thought I wanted, everything that I thought would make me happy. And I mean, it resonates. Our story resonates so deeply with, you know, the prodigal son and the older brother. Uh, we, we, we draw back to that all the time, but that was me. I was, I, I cashed in all of these blessings, all of this, this protection, this institution Mm-hmm. and community that God had given me to be safe in. And I exchanged that for what yeah. I wanted for my selfishness. And, and, you know, I say in jest, no, no one would sin if it wasn't fun. You know, that's how we get tempted. Yeah. Um, however, you know, it's for me, it was just like writing checks with an empty bank account. You know, all of that, everything I was spending was, there was nothing anchoring it. There's nothing, there's no meaning or purpose behind any of that. So all those checks were bound to bounce, uh, if you will. And I was, you know, more parties, more just drugs and alcohol and new relationships, girls that were more compatible or so I, I thought and would, ex- you know, even though Stephanie was telling me, Hey, I, I want to work on this and on us. I just didn't see how that could work. And so these, these new relationships were with people that I felt like, you know, I could be my real self around. And um, it was just like building a castle out of sand, I guess, you know, just the lie taking me to higher and higher heights and, and, and risking everything that I'd had on this lie. And um, one of the relationships that I was in um, kind of at the, at the pinnacle, you know, I was at probably the highest of highs. I remember, you know, we have Facebook and it'll like come back around and show us our, well, something that we've. Yeah. And every year around, you know, the, the January, February, March, April season, if I'm on, I'm not really on Facebook anymore, but it would come back. And and one of the things that I posted as my status was I am truly happy. So I, I truly believe it. I thought that what I had done was the right thing. When everything that I traded for this life uh, built up to this moment and, and, and then that one of the relationships the, the final one that I was in, uh, it ended. And um, the way that it ended was explosive and um, really exposed parts of me to me that I was not prepared to see. Uh, Okay. And through that, through that explosion, through that ending of this relationship that, and this, this season that I just had given over everything to, it was like, it exploded everything because now the lie is exposed. Now the parts of me that I, this true self that I thought I was who left it all and was going to be new and free, like that all collapsed and like a house of cards, just everything came with it. And I was waking up in cold sweats, uh, battling anxiety you know, probably some mild depression just because all of the crushing weight of those decisions has now 
coming home to roost. And uh, that's when I just started to cry out because even though I, I don't know if I shared this earlier, but one of the reasons why I had left the faith in particular was because I had all these intellectual doubts. I loved science and documentaries and, you know, read articles and research and all of that. that was a huge part of the reason why I left, or at least why I thought I left. Mm-hmm. But it became abundantly clear to me in that season that, that God not only gave us a mind, but he gave us a heart. Mm-hmm. And he, he didn't necessarily, his game plan wasn't to reach me through apologetics and through sound argumentation. It was through the brokenness and failures that I caused on myself. Yes. So underneath that crushing weight, I just, I cried out to him. And, um, you know, it's funny how that, how you get that searing clarity and all the things that you thought mattered don't really matter anymore. Right. And that's where God found me, not needing to become something or be something more than I was in that moment. But there at the bottom, when I was at my worst, he extended grace he was already there with me chasing me down into that yeah. pit. Um, yeah so that was your moment of surrender yeah I, I, absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. yeah no other no other way to categorize it um, and in that i just started being honest because i i thought i'd been honest and i thought i'd i thought i'd done the right thing but i realized even even in my leaving, that that was all just the belief in this lie. And this self that I thought was me was, again, just some kind of projection or some kind of me striving. And there, after everything failed me, uh, I kind of just felt raw and exposed. And that's what God needed. And that's what God wanted. So I started praying and telling God all the head junk that I had, all the doubts and disappointments. and Yeah. And he... he he can handle that from us. Right. He, he wants to hear that part of us more than anything. He doesn't want us to hide those deep, dark things. You know, if it, whether it's a doubt about him, or whether it's a doubt about marriage or another relationship, God wants to be involved in all of that. So I started working in my heart. I opened the Bible and saw new things leap off the page like they never had before. And, uh, it was a fresh and, and new season that I hadn't felt for a really, really long time. And I look at her because uh, I started to hear this little whisper because that season was long. You know, we condense everything yeah. in these little, little sound bites. But that season for me was, I think, month, weeks and months of just me pouring out, God pouring in, new people coming back, you know, old, old friends coming back, you know, to kind of bring me back in. Um, and I heard this little whisper. And how long, yeah. Chris, how long was the the season of your, um, after the divorce to this moment of surrender? How long was that season? I sat Stephanie down on January 21st of 2010 and said, I don't believe in God anymore and I don't want to be married anymore. Divorce was final in like spring. spring, yeah, like April, May. Somewhere in and then this all came about probably in August. So it was, it was like, it was like a flash in the pan, you know, hot, hot and fast. Um, You do things, you go big. I do. (laughs) I do. It's, I have, I have this penchant for intensity uh, for better or for worse. Um, But this whisper I was hearing was, was kind of crazy to me because when I told Stephanie when I was leaving, I remember telling her, hey, even if even if I was a believer again, even if I believed in God again, like we just don't make sense. We're too different. We're we didn't know what we were getting into. We've changed too much. You know, there's so all of these reasons that, again, in my foolishness in leaving, I, I said. And so to hear this little whisper was kind of crazy, but it got louder and louder until I couldn't. So I couldn't ignore it. And uh to this day, I, I feel like it's the clearest message I've ever gotten from God, um, which is and that message was to pursue my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
What did you think uh, about that, Stephanie? You're ready to go, aren't you? Oh, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. She was just waiting by the phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In your mind, huh? (laughs) I say this. I I say uh, this all the time. I say I learned a lot in that season, uh, but timing uh, was still something I had yet to master. Uh, (laughs) Right. But I did reach out to her family first. Uh, I think I called her parents and I met with them because we have a really special relationship or, or ha- had a really special relationship, still do. But I reached out to them first and we met and they called her and they were like, hey, she knew stuff, some stuff was going on with me. But and she probably knew that I was meeting with her parents, but they called him. I didn't I don't think I expected this, but they were like, hey, can you come over? And I was like, wait, what? I thought I was just meeting with you guys. But I did. I went over to her house, this house uh, that we still live in today uh and uh we reconnected wow Mm. and the next day we got married and here we are (laughs) (laughs) you you do things intently intensely but um no i'm thinking not right so steph talk to us about what that was like for you yeah that that night when we did talk for the first time, I mean, this is several months after the divorce, we hadn't talked and uh, we just spent a couple hours swapping stories of what God had done and what we've been talking about, what the things that we learned and just so much transparency and vulnerability coming from him and honesty. And I, I just, I saw Jesus in him more than I had ever seen. I think the whole, however many years I had known him at that point. And when he did share that night that he, he believed that God told him we should be together again. Uh, I did not say, okay, let's go. Let's do it. Um, I think because. You're smarter than that. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I knew, and we both knew that you, you would say it as well, but we knew that we didn't want, we didn't want to do it alone. You know, we, we did a lot on our own and it didn't end well. And so, uh, and I had forgiven him. It had been a process, but I'd forgiven him for that everything that had happened. And uh, but trust is definitely something that takes time. And we always encourage, because as you can imagine, we talk to people daily who are struggling in their marriage, and and we always tell them, you know, if they if trust has been broken, that person, if they want it back, they'll take the time to earn it back, and and they do have to prove that. And and so obviously there's grace and all of that. But uh, we wanted to take a few months separately, pursue what the Lord had for us, do some Christian counseling, involve our family and our pastors. She she took some convincing is what she's saying. (laughs) Well, of course, you know, I was at a point in that year where, I mean, this is how God, I hear it so often, how God works. But I was, I felt like I was finally to the point where I could let go of my future, of knowing what was going to happen. You know, I, I got to a point where I didn't, I, I believed that he would come back to the Lord, but I didn't think I would be involved and I was finally at that place. I was going through divorce care at the time at a local church. And I, I felt like, all right, God, you know, I I don't know where my life is going. That makes me so uncomfortable, but I'm okay. And I'm going to give that over to you. And of course, that's when he popped back up in the picture. So <laughs> so at the end of that of that season of, of really pursuing his will for our life, we all came together in agreement that if we wanted to pursue it, that we should go for it because we believe in a God who's a God of redemption and that can restore things that were dead to life. And so we started dating. We started over. So we went on our second first date. Uh, and then a few months later, we're remarried, just a tiny little ceremony with our family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that took place when? Then what year was that? So that was February of 2011. So it was a little over a year after everything blew up. So we, we celebrated 10 years this past February of our, our remarriage. Wow. And it's been really easy since then. There's been no, <laughs> no speed bumps or. Yeah. It's, yeah. and it's just, gosh, we have such a different perspective and it, it truly, as it says in, in the Bible, you know, God, we were, we we're a new creation, you know, as individuals, because of what we went through in our marriage, it's new. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's unrecognizable, I think, from, yeah. from our first marriage, as we say. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah, we still, you know, we still have very different personalities. We still are two different mm-hmm. people that do have to work at it. But just the perspective is so different and, and understanding God's purpose for marriage has just changed everything. 
It does. Yeah. You know, we call um, the before our crisis, our 1.0 marriage, and we call (laughs) what we're in now our 2.0 marriage. Yeah. And we like 2.0 better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much better. (laughs) Um, You know, back to that whole trust thing. So let's go there for a moment. One of the things that we discovered is, um, you know, and you just said, um, you know, I had forgiven him, but trust was a different journey. And mm-hmm. if somebody wants to be rebuild trust, they'll be willing to do the work. And we we discovered um, a principle that we call um, that the trust breaker is the trust maker. Mm-hmm. And so that the person that broke the trust has to prove with, you know, words don't matter when you're rebuilding trust actions really matter so talk about she said it before i'll say it for her and we say it a lot forgiveness is commanded but trust is earned yes yes exactly and repeated action yeah yes and we even say trust is rebuilt with change behavior over time Mm -hmm. and that definitely uh you're earning that new relationship, you're earning that trust. Yeah. So what did you do, Chris or Steph? What did Chris do that helped to rebuild trust um, in in this relationship? What did I do? I think <laughs> I think one of the most obvious things was he was he was consistently sharing his struggles with me. No, that was something that didn't happen before. I I can still remember so clearly a conversation early on as we were rebuilding this trust where he was doing working on a, a job site at the time and there I think there was marijuana there, like while he was there and he told me that that was that was a struggle to know that it was there and, and to be near it and not to have it. And even just as silly as that may sound, like that was huge for me because he hid all of that from me before. So yes. knowing that he felt he felt safe also because I wasn't always a safe place for him to share that before. And so that that was huge. Just just little little moments like that where he he was being completely honest and hopefully he was able to see that that I was, you know, I was a person who could be a safe place to share that with too. Yeah, I mean to piggyback off of that too, a lot of my struggle and my story is just with challenging what I know and challenging what I've been taught and, and wrestling with that in the journey. And I never shared any of that with her. I don't know what the right word to use is, but kind of, again, just out of shame, but in ignorance, not knowing that we could struggle together. And that was one of the biggest things about coming back around for me was knowing that I could share that part with her and wouldn't you know it, when we struggle together, we learn together and grow together. And me sharing the hard things that I'm going through and wrestling with actually edifies and helps us and grows us both. So just a complete reversal. And again, just this new uh, 2.0, this new way yeah. of, of living and, and thinking about our yeah. life together. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I do too. It uh, It's just so powerful when we move away from our way of doing things and our perspectives and our ideas to do things God's way, really. And his economy is so twisted up that. Well, it's not twisted, it's upside down. Upside down. It's upside down. Yeah. You know, for what, what our human logic would say. Right. And, uh, and so when we learn to do it his way, like, you know, our, our human side would say, Oh, hide those struggles. Mm-hmm. You don't want to say anything about them, but God says, no, share them, mm-hmm. be honest, be vulnerable. Yeah. It'll You're gonna, transform you right from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. So talk for a moment though, um, back to that whole safety thing. You said, Steph, I wasn't safe for him before. What does that look like when somebody isn't safe and when they are safe? I think that just the way that my brain is wired, I have a tendency to, I can be, I've grown a lot, but I can be very black and white. Um, And I think also growing up just very sheltered, very great. Like I'm so grateful for my childhood and the way that my parents raised me in the church. And 
I did have this really this great model of a marriage and a family and parents. And so I think before had he shared some of his struggles, like for one, I could be very judgmental um, trying to understand why that would even be a struggle. Like that's wrong. So why would you even, why is that even a thing? You know? Um, And I think it, it, it just would have, it would have rocked me a little bit. I I think Um, I know, I remember a conversation we had one time uh, where he was talking about some doubts with his faith and like, I don't even know that I knew how to engage that at the time, because again, like faith, you know, it's, that's not been something that has been my struggle. I have plenty of others, but that's not something that's been my struggle in my story. But, but that was something that I, I don't know that he could have, that we could have had a, a conversation that would have been helpful at the time. Yeah. Yes. So now in the 2.0 and he comes home and he says to you, I'm on a work site and there was marijuana there. And man, that was, that was hard for me. What did that response look like? That was now safe for him to say that to you. Mm-hmm. Appreciated it. I don't know. It's, it, it was, I think it, how can you, how could you be afraid? You know, I think it was more trust building than it was fear inducing. It's not mm-hmm. making sense. Just, just the, the vulnerability at all. Yeah. 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 And I guess it didn't, it didn't scare me anymore. I think because, I mean, just the, the plain fact that he was telling me was so huge. Um, And, and also just me understanding more of who I was, who we all are as sinners and what our temptations are and knowing, because again, our personalities are so so different. My struggles are not going to be the same as his. So I think it was, I had a lot of growing up to do and understanding the world and people and how we see the world with totally different, you know, colored glasses and and things. So it was, yeah, there was a lot of growth. I I hope (laughs) in me that I could, I could see him and have more empathy for somebody who just struggles differently than I do. Well, when you're young, you just don't understand that you think that the way that you think about things is the way that everybody does and should Right. Think about things and the older you get, the more people you meet, the more life you live, the more tragedy you experience and watch others go through that. And the more you realize that, wow, other people, two people can experience the same event and process it and respond and react to it in completely different ways. Exactly. And I think that's transformational for both of us. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. So much of it is, it is maturity. Mm-hmm. And just coming to understand, I mean, I would say our 1.0 relationship, um, oftentimes we operated that differences were wrong mm-hmm. and yeah. 2.0, we appreciate them. We recognize God brought us together as opposites in many ways right. for a purpose. Right. We no longer think of them as wrong. We think of them as alternate ways to see the world, alternate ways to do things. Mm-hmm. And we've learned so much more about acceptance. Oh, for mm. sure. I know for us, I mean, now we, we parent together, we do ministry together. It's our full-time job. Like we could not do what we do if we didn't have different strengths and weaknesses. Like there's absolutely no way at all. It is, it is beautiful. Like coming back around on this side, being so appreciative of it and how much he stretches me in ways that I need to be stretched and vice versa. It's just, it's a blessing. Mm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the music that you guys now create. What makes Out of the Dust unique? Uh, well, we always just knew. I mean, it's it's a little bit longer of a story than this. But the, the, the short story is that we didn't see this happening. I was always the musician. But we went to a weekend conference together and ended up performing together in like this little competition. Just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> Um, I was terrified. It was awful. (laughs) And we told our story like we weren't even supposed to have 30 seconds. They were like, just get up there and go and start singing. But we just we were like, look, this is too crazy, too awesome, too good. And the song that we were singing had a little bit to do with that. And we just shared like probably 30 seconds. Hey, we were divorced and God brought us back together. We're completely transformed. Here's this song. And afterwards uh this girl came up to stephanie in tears um weeping saying that's where i am and so Mm -hmm. even just seeing that little step of faith where for you 
the, the rule follower breaking a rule <laughs> and seeing how that resonated with someone in this small audience, this small auditorium. We just discussed, we just, we, we knew that our story was powerful. We thought that it was, and we, you know, anyone who goes through that, that's a powerful story, but the small thing that we did, the small step of faith already seeing fruit from that. We just, we knew we had to keep taking more steps. So one thing mm-hmm. led to another. We tried writing a song together. It worked. We thought that our voices didn't work together in our marriage 1.0, come back together, start singing. Wow, this is amazing. What we thought didn't work together actually does work together. And music just became the platform that we used to tell this story. And out of the dust, the name comes from our story. It comes from Genesis where God takes dust of the earth and breathes into it, which that word breath, pneuma, pneuma is the same word in Greek for spirit. Um, So breathing his spirit into the dust and makes it come alive, breathing into the dust of what we tried, what we created, what we failed at, Mm -hmm. and God breathing his spirit into that and bringing out something else that was alive and new. Um, That's... That's what we've given wow. our life. That's what we've given yeah. our life to. Yeah, yeah. So the music that we write, I mean, you can find threads of our story throughout pretty much any song that we that we write. And I think something our, our it's part of our church DNA. We always say we're we're people that are broken yet hopeful. And so that's that's a theme that I think you can see across the songs that we write. And you know, we we do have this ending, uh, but we also know a lot of people don't. And they're desperate for it. So we just, we always want our music to be a place that can bring people hope. Um, mm. We also don't want to sugarcoat or, or say that everybody's going to get the ending they want because we live in a broken world. So yep. we just, yeah. we always want to, we want to write music that doesn't, it doesn't avoid the hard of life because this life is hard. <laughs> it's yeah. hard, but, but also that highlights the hope that we all have in Jesus. Yeah. And what we always, I think what we hang our hat on Shortly after in that story, after God breathes into the dust and creates Adam and Eve, shortly thereafter, they're actually cast out of the garden. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not where the story ends. You know, I think they had everything that they needed in the garden and they were cast out. But God had a bigger plan to restore and to bring back. Um, and, and that needed to happen. Kind of like separation needed to happen for us, for others, you may not get reunification or restoration with a spouse or with whatever you think should happen. It probably should happen, but the world is broken and sin breaks things, but God in his goodness separates to bring wholeness to you and to your relationships and to your heart above all else. Because like we say a lot, um, if God had not restored our marriage, the work that he did, the transformation that happened, the redemption that we experienced individually was enough because Jesus is enough. We just both committed ourselves to that and both experienced that and saw the greater purpose and the greater kingdom value of our marriage together and the story that we could tell of the glory of God. But not everybody experiences that. Yes. Right. But above all else, what happened to us individually was enough. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. And I think when we share our stories, people do see threads of their stories in our stories. Right. And it does give them hope and encouragement and help and it illustrates the work that God do, does in and through us. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, you know, for, for letting us come and talk and share our story. Oh my goodness. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, one of the things we do with our no more perfect date night members is, um, and anytime we do an interview is we, um, ask those that we interview, tell us what your favorite date night activity is. So before we bring this to a close, we would love to know, what is a favorite date night activity for you guys? 
I think I can knock it out of the park. Go for it. Ooh, wow. Go I don't know if I need to add to it or not. <laughs> well, there's two answers. Number one would just be we normally we love uh, the show This Is Us. <laughs> ah. Yes. Uh, it's it's like therapy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know your therapy is going to go away in another year. <laughs> Reruns. I'm so sorry, but, but we do. We love that show, so go for but it. But even yeah. last night, it's it's uh, we love sushi. So a, a, an amazing date night for us would be sushi. This is us. Give me a bottle of wine. Uh, hmm. And. It's a night in. Now, granted, yeah, you know, we have kids. We have so, one, uh, we have young kids. <laughs> Two, the world's a little crazy right now. So we've had to get creative with our, our date night. So, yeah, we really we enjoy being together. And so a date night in, I think, for some of you couples listening, I think if you're just, you're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're just, I, I don't know. My words have gone. Intentional. Well, that's the word. Yes, if you're intentional, it's not just like, oh, kids are in bed. Maybe we can go watch something. But you know, setting aside a night for us, even when it's just in our house or on our porch, is something we really want to love. Yeah, going to the store and getting the sushi so that you make that special. Right. You know. What was your second part? Uh, Tea time. We learned this from some friends. It was. (laughs) The tea is an acronym, but like we would just sit on the porch and have tea if you want or coffee or whatever. Uh, and is it's it's one thing that you're thankful for, one thing that you're excited about, and one thing that you're anxious about. Something something to that. I love that. Just to get conversation going. I've never heard that, but I love it. Right. Yeah. yeah. That is a great way. So it's like a quick connection, mm-hmm. but you're kind of going a little deeper than mm-hmm. how was your day? Yeah. So, so the other end, opposite of like the date night end that has been the tradition for the past year, uh, we we love to because we do music full time in a normal year. We travel a good bit of the year, and some of those some of those weekends, our kids are not with us. Like this past weekend, we were in Boston area, New England, and so our favorite thing to do is to find a moment, a pocket in a day when we have a concert to kind of treat like a date night. So uh, just this past weekend, we had some time as we were driving through Boston and we stopped and went in the North End and our favorite Italian restaurant. I, I like have thought about the dish that we had for two years. <laughs> and so we stopped in, got Italian food, got like picked up some cannolis to, to bring on the way as we were making our way up to Maine for a concert. We stopped on the coast to on a beach for like 15 minutes just to see it. I love the beach. And just, yeah, just enjoyed being together. How relatable is that? <laughs> right. Just stop in Boston and then go to the beach. Yeah. Anyone no, can do I, it. <laughs> so That's the bougie <laughs> answer that we don't get to do very often. That was like, that was like three <laughs> answers. So sorry. But. I love, no, that was great. Because what you're saying is that even in the midst of where you, you were going, you were, right. you guys took time for each other and to do something that you enjoyed having, mm-hmm. you know, to have fun together. Right. And um, we tend to do that as well. Yeah, we we travel a lot for speaking. Yeah. Um, although we haven't for the last year, but <laughs> we just were speaking in Columbus, Ohio. And, mm-hmm. um, and we did the same thing. You know, we took some time to do some fun things for us in the midst yeah. of that trip. So yeah. love that. That's yeah. great. All right. W- would you guys be willing um, to actually uh, close in in prayer and um, and just pray for uh, mm-hmm. couples that couples or individuals that might be listening to this that are in a hard season? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right. Yeah, let's pray. Um, God, we we surrender our stories to you. Mm-hmm wherever that is, uh, at the beginning of something hard, in the middle of something hard, at the end, when we have a story to tell of your goodness and it takes courage to tell, God, we surrender that to you and ask you to move in it, um, use us with it, um, and allow us to become instruments that can tell of your goodness and your glory. God, for the for the people who are in something hard, um, again, that, that word surrender just comes up over and over 
and over. Um, it's there's I wish I wish that there was something God that I could say that that anyone could say to to make that feel okay in the moment. But God, um, I ask that for the people going through that that they would feel and know and trust that there is a bigger story that they are in the middle of and that the valley is foggy, but the mountain is coming and the mountain is clear and we get to the top. Eventually there is light at the end of the tunnel, God, and you show us where you were, even though we can't see it. So God, make yourself known, even if we can't see it, make yourself felt to those and just Give us uh, a sense of purpose that's beyond ourselves, that's beyond uh, our stories and beyond our, our present struggles, that, that there is a purpose to what, to what we do, to the vows that we gave um, on that day. And that purpose is to show what your love is like yes. to the world. Help mm-hmm. us to remember that. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Beautiful prayer. Yeah, thank you. So this is Chris and Steph Teague and Mark and Jill Savage signing off with a reminder that a real marriage isn't perfect. A real marriage is two people being perfected. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.